Welcome to Ancient Answers, where we discuss modern issues and contemporary problems with an eye to the ancients and what they thought and saw. I'm Gordon. And I'm Shane. And today we're having a Q&A, what we call a question... No, no. no question. Sorry, I said... <laughs> That's the normal version of a Q&A. <laughs> Should I start again? No, no, just keep on going. Keep on going. We're good. All right. <laughs> Here we are. This is un- unedited... <laughs> Pure online podcast. Just a stream of consciousness it's podcasting. quote right and answer. There you go. Q&A is quote and answer. Where we give four quotes to each, uh, and then we, we, we discuss them. We yeah. kind of, a freedom thought. We don't have this planned. We kind of think about how these thoughts and ideas that were given by ancients uh, reflect on us. Yeah. So, you got the first one. All right. So... Uh, I'm going to begin... Oh, actually, before I begin, I wanted to mention that um, one of our recent listeners uh, reached out to me and let me know that we mispronounced the name of a philosopher in a previous episode. Now, this was a name... It's a Greek name, so the pronunciation is okay, already difficult. Okay, Greek names. Um, but uh, I've also only read the name, so I think we pronounce it as um, Epictetus. It is actually Epictetus. So Epictetus. Epictetus. Okay. So I just wanted to bring that up and thank you to that listener for reaching out to me on that one. So now, the first quote I have is from Plutarch, uh, a good a good uh, favorite of ours. I don't need a friend who changes when I change and nods when I nod. My shadow does that much better. <laughs> <laughs> I have never heard that. That's awesome. That is a great quote. I mean, to start off with, I think it's rather cheeky and fun. <laughs> but I also just just love the idea that I don't need a friend who changes when I change and nods when I nod. My shadow does that much better. That that I'm going to try to remember that because I think that's a great one. Yeah. Well, you know, in the world of social media, where people can get boxed in by only listening to those or hearing from those or commenting with those that agree with them and can shunt out those that disagree, that has a profound commentary because if we surround ourselves as also with friends that only give us lip service, mm-hmm. it's not really fair to us because we're assuming that everything we know is correct. And and that was that was very much my interpretation of it as well, is that it's the idea that um like I, I enjoy the fact that now, for the most part, my friends and I we agree on on many, many, many different topics. But at the same time, when there are topics that we don't agree on, we're comfortable enough with each other that we can openly discuss those topics. And I get a little bit of perspective from someone else, or I get a different way of thinking from someone else. And it sometimes it doesn't hit home because I just disagree. But other times it makes me question my own stance. It makes me question my own life and my own perspective. And I have it gives me an opportunity to sort of learn and grow as a human being. But if I have a friend who changes when I change and nods when I nod, I miss out on that opportunity. If, if I'm surrounded by yes men, essentially, um, it, it just, it's a, I think it would be just a very narrow and, and sort of empty, empty life. I imagine there are numerous points in human history where somebody of leadership in leadership position, whether merited or not, surrounded themselves with yes men and women Mostly yes men. Yes. Uh, women tend to be smarter at these things anyways. Um, they didn't make a good decision because they didn't have an objective perspective presented back to them mm-hmm. to at least push against their presupposition to ensure that it was the right decision. Yeah. 
Well, but, doesn't doesn't history tell us that Marcus Aurelius actually had a slave whose sole role was to whisper into his ear, "You are immortal." Indeed, and of course, during the triumphs, it was a tradition that someone would sit behind whoever was being venerated during the yes. treatise and say, "You know, all this is transitory. You are mortal." And, and, and those kind of things. Now, how much of that is, is kind of mythology has come down to us? It still has value in thinking about, don't always assume you're right, mm -hmm. even though you can have a convictions for things. Have your convictions wrought out by the, by the crucible of testing and proving, mm -hmm. not just accepting because it sounds good yeah. and someone else told you you're so cute <laughs> and smart and, you know, how could you ever be wrong? Well... No. <laughs> well, it, it it also strengthens your convictions as well. If 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 you can be challenged in your beliefs and you can come up with reasonable arguments and debates and diatribes to defend your beliefs, they become stronger as a result of that as well. It strengthens, you know, everything is is strengthened by conflict to a degree. That's right. I mean, after all, fifty percent of the time you're below average. <laughs> there you. That's you know. That's <laughs> actually that's very true. That's why it's called average. So don't assume that you are striking home runs with every swing at the bat. Yeah, exactly. There's a few more metaphors I'm throwing in there. Um, but the ancients, they they were very much aware of the constant, uh, particularly in strong arm military men they were just going over and over again conquering and conquering and conquering it was the same old story every hundred years mm -hmm. and it wasn't really achieving anything different there yeah empires came and went but the average lot of the average person it, it was kind of either get caught up in the mess but it didn't really change that much either um but if you surrounded yourself particularly in a leadership position with people that just tell you what you want to hear you are inevitably on the road to disaster yes because you will make decisions and compound decisions that are not based on critical thinking mm -hmm. and, it, and some people go well i i go with my gut okay that's nice but your guts are smelly and they really don't <laughs> achieve results the brain is the greatest achievement of the human being mm -hmm. the heart adds that nuance to make it better but if I know I'm going to get criticism for saying this. If you make all your decisions because it, your heart feels good about it, you are setting yourself up to error because you're misjudging your emotional brain, if you want to call it, between your critical thinking brain. Mm -hmm. And if you don't at least combine the both, if not give the critical thinking a little bit of an edge on things, you are setting yourself up to be exploited by those that recognize that weakness. Yeah, that's very fair, I think. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. All right, what, what do you have for us, Gordon? I thought that was a good quote. Thank you. That's really good. Okay, Lao Tzu, another, you know, one of the amazing uh, Chinese uh, thinkers. Mm -hmm. Great acts are made up of small deeds. Now, we covered this kind of idea before in a previous yep. quote, but I like this one as it's concise. Great acts are made up of small deeds. It's so it's the same idea of you know uh, a journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step right that's it's very right much the same thing but I like particularly the juxtaposition of the word acts and deeds okay in, in in English language at least because I think it gives a little nuance of something that we hadn't covered before okay when we discussed and that is great acts represent something that is tremendous that is significant that's noteworthy mm -hmm. but small deeds. Deeds can be influenced as being 
something that does require a little bit of bravery mm -hmm. to do. It's not just a job. Yeah. It's not just doing a chore. It's doing a deed, small deeds. Yeah. You do something with a little bit of dignity. And I kind of like this quote because I think all of us, or many of us, let's say many of us, we have the feeling that we'd like to be participants in the great play of our lives. Mm -hmm. And some of us feel sometimes, well, our lives aren't that great, you know, we're not that significant, we're pretty average. We'd... But in many ways, we don't know what we do to influence other people. Mm -hmm. If we give a good word or we do something to help out with others, we don't know how that has a ripple effect. You know, sometimes they call it the butterfly effect. Yeah. Uh, where the ripple effects, if we make someone's day because we are, it by deed we cheer somebody up or we do something that seems very small and inconsequential, but it influences somebody else who in turn may influence or influence them or cheer them up or whatever. I mean, it's a complex story, but I, I believe that this one has also another aspect of serenity. I mean, part of the Eastern culture is this idea of finding your Zen. Yeah, you know, nirvana. The, and, nirvana and yeah. your stuff. That, that, that one of the great achievements of life is to find an inner peace, an inner fulfillment. And one of the great things that can come out of that is by doing deeds that were not really expected of us, but we do them because we know they're good and just to do, results in great things happening because we become part of the battery of society, charging our fellow you know citizens mm -hmm. to be better okay it's a complex thought yeah. i actually found it a struggle to kind of conceptualize this before we were preparing for this yeah. well and, and and that that take on it is uh, it's certainly certainly very interesting and valid but when i when i first heard this quote that you just read my mind immediately went to something like uh like if we look at the the Apollo moon landing, for instance, I was that, watching a documentary about that. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so like that right there could be could I think could definitely be considered a great act. But from the very beginning, when that was first proposed, it was made up of small deeds because someone has example. someone has to do this and someone has to do this, and it's your job to get this done, and it's your job to solve this equation, and it's your job to engineer this component, and it's and so it was this team, this this army. Of different people all committing small deeds and contributing with their small deeds together to make sure that this great act could be fulfilled. That that was sort of where uh, where I was going when when you read that out. That's assuming we did go to the moon. Oh well, yeah, naturally. I mean, you believe in the moon, Gord? Come on, it's, it's just I'm the, just teasing. It's just the back of the sun. Everyone, I'm knows just that. teasing. I'm just teasing. <laughs> um, but that's a good example. Any great, we think of uh, technological achievements and stuff like that. But, you know, uh, anyways, I, I, I found this one interesting because I saw a juxtaposition of the two words being a little bit distinctively different than just mm -hmm. saying, hey, a big job is made up of little jobs. Well, that's kind of a technical term, but, yeah. you know, great, you know, a great, let's say a mission. Like you do something that's above and beyond just the functional uh, of that one. So, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that one. All That's right, good. and now you've got uh, yeah. you've got your quote. Yeah, so I've got another one here. We're uh, still in the Mediterranean for this one. This is from Pericles. Time is the wisest counselor of all. Yeah, we all get as we get a little older, we become more wiser. Well, and I can't believe how wise I am now. <laughs> you are you are so wise, Gord. Just 
the the reason why I chose this one actually, um, when I read this one, it really resonated with me because to me this is almost the slogan, the unofficial slogan of this podcast that we're that we're doing. So time is the wisest counselor of all because the whole purpose of what we're doing here on Ancient Answers is to look at modern issues, modern problems, modern topics of discussion. And we're looking at how ancient civilizations dealt with these things, or, or at least how they faced them, how they talked about them. So it's we are essentially using this podcast as a medium to discuss and, and uh, bring to a modern society the wisdom of several thousand years of accumulated human history and knowledge. Yeah, because, I mean, it's fundamental. I mean, I think of the fact that I have uh, children, uh, all grown up now, I think of how the human experience has been fundamentally raising the next generation, raising the next generation, raising the next generation, so that we perpetuate our species for that one thing. That's a good thing. Yeah. But we uh, we don't see the fruits of our labor and effort until well down the roll in time. Now. We're fortunate we live a little bit longer lives than our ancestors did. So many of us today in our contemporary world have the benefit of seeing multi-generations yep. actually live and thrive. And, you know, the infant mortality rate is not like it used to be. Thank, thank goodness for that. Um, and then we see time is a fruition of our efforts. But we don't get a vision of it until we're well along. Because I certainly, I mean, you were younger than me. Mm -hmm. uh, I I'm less wise than you are, yes. <laughs> well, why? I, I think the word wise is tricky because yeah. it doesn't mean intelligent, doesn't mean no, smart. No, it's, it's, it's just life experiences, by the nature of what they are, give us insight of what it is like to be human mm -hmm. in levels that is not something you can learn in a book. Yeah. It's almost intuitive. If you, you can't understand pain unless you experience pain. Mm -hmm. You can't understand sadness until you experience sadness. You can't experience joy until you experience something that's joyful. Mm -hmm. And the ancients understood that. Yeah. They, they dealt with these things and they understood that it takes time before you come to understanding, which was always the, the thing is, if only the youth could have the experience of the old, <laughs> yeah. of the elders, that's why we have elders um but you know if we only had our our physical strength and our our wisdom of our old age while we yeah. were young we would be able to accomplish great things <laughs> one one thing that you did mention in that though that i am going to challenge you on is that That's you made you made a comment that it's the kind of thing that you can't learn from a book and i absolutely disagree with that because as an avid reader um, I, I, one thing I really, really love about reading novels and, and even like fictional stories, real stories, doesn't really matter, is that it does grant a perspective that I normally wouldn't have. I can, I can, ident I can identify with this character and the, the situation that they're in and the struggles that they're going uh, you know, through. Yeah, you know, I, I'll, I'll, then I'll step down on that one because yeah. that's true. I have often advocated that if you wanted to learn things about life, you don't have to always experience them. You can learn them through other people's experiences or in writing. Yeah. Because, yes, if you have a character that goes through an experience that you don't go through, 
but that's written in a well enough way. Yes, you can yeah, it, vicariously mm-hmm. begin to understand. Yeah, you, yeah. It, it's now it's certainly not the same as experiencing it for yourself. Of yeah, it's course. not carved in your DNA. Then, yeah, but, but it's uh, it definitely at least it gets the point across as long as as long as you are immersed in the work that you're that you're reading. I, I think that it can be quite remarkable. And there have been a number of times where I've read novels and just you know, wow, it's it's really heartfelt and, and it's kind of crazy what this person's going through or I read other ones and I go man this person's an idiot and I'd be doing it this way or I am I am actually going to agree with you again on that one yeah. that, that is a very good point today's with the loss of literary reading mm-hmm. we've seen a decline in the amount of literature that people read which is mostly television and yeah. you know Netflix and stuff like that which is okay entertainment yeah or video games but the excessive amount of hours that many young people and old people I think it's usually a younger generation, more towards your generation. Yeah, um, it's a loss of experiential learning that can come in by the literature that does exist, yeah. including ancient literature. Yeah, of you course. know, you, you can read some of these ancient books, Marcus Aurelius's books, and you can read, you know, Seneca and stuff like that. And they discuss how do you deal with the wisdom of the of the elders with the impetuousness, as that's what they sort of saw. Yeah, no, the impetuousness it's a good word for it. of the youth. Yep. That's a good word for it. That's interesting. Hmm. That's yeah. a good point. Thank you. Okay. Right. So what is, what is your last quote? Plotinus. Okay. Plotinus. We don't have enough quotes from Plotinus. Actually, I, I went looking online and I think I'll get a few for the next episode. Yeah. All right. Cool. Knowledge, if it is does not determine action, is dead to us. So knowledge, if it does not determine any action, is dead to us. Yeah. Now I interpret the to us as interesting, not in us, because that still implies that you can bring it forward if you do something different. But mm-hmm. if you get knowledge and you don't do anything with it, what's the point? Yeah, that's kind of yeah, my question. Yeah, no, yeah, knowledge for its its own sake is it's sort of like wealth as well, right? Like like wealth for its own sake is essentially useless. Uh, I uh, think a lot yeah. of people aspire to wealth as a means to an end. It's it leads to security, or it leads to, um, uh, you know, some people see it leads to happiness, it might lead to experiences, and I think knowledge could be considered along the same lines, where knowledge for its own sake isn't isn't really great. Like, what's what's the point? That's true. Wealth and knowledge are engines. Yeah, there you go. That's a good way of putting it. They're a, a form of engine, because for them to have any value, they must be put to work. Mm-hmm. Money has to be invested. And yeah, you get a return back. That's kind of cool, and that's a good thing. Yeah. Knowledge, if you don't do anything with it, that's right. It's yeah. it doesn't do any work. I can know a million facts, but if I don't apply them in any meaningful way, then <laughs> what what's the point? My wife says that about me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I get that a lot too. I know a lot of random trivia, and it's just I've got a lot of fun facts in my head. And I'm yeah. kind of thinking, what? I, I win contests at bars. That's about as far as it that's goes. That's about that. as far as it goes. <laughs> um, but I think Plotinus was onto something about the fact is that really un uh, and also and I'm going to impose my own interpretation undisciplined knowledge. Okay. Because I do think that knowledge knowledge is kind of cool, but there there is a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Yeah. And so proper knowledge, properly managed, timely applied, is wisdom. Mm-hmm. Wisdom. I've often wondered whether this word should be replaced with wisdom, but wisdom infers that there's been some time involved in obtaining it. Where knowledge can also mean you've you've gained it relatively quickly due to good fortune and good circumstances. But 
it's up to you then to, in a sense, immediately use it for something and not just sit on it. Okay. But you're right. It's like a bank account. If you just put the money in a bank and it doesn't do any good, it's just, well, yeah. in the old days, just chunks of metal sitting in your, <laughs> in your purse. Yeah, ex exactly. Right. Like, again, to draw the comparison between the two of them, and, and like you said, they're engines and, and they're... They are a means to an end. They are not the end on their own. At least I don't think so anyway. Well, you think of both you and I have been very fortunate. Uh, and fortunate because we've got wonderful families mm -hmm. who have obtained good educations. Yep. yep. Educations that gave us insight. Both of us studied ancient history and the whole wealth of the human thought and thinking. Of course, the history stories are kind of cool too. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, uh, but things such as, and I have a real fondness for Greek mythology. Yeah. I love the way these stories represent the human condition. Yeah, that they're these, these all-powerful, all-seeing, almighty gods who are just as petty and corrupt as, as anyone as else. <laughs> and that's what makes it interesting. But they all represent well, relatable. archetypes, right? Yeah. yeah. You, uh, we talked earlier about Norse mythology as mm -hmm. well, that it has its origins in the ancient days as well. Yep. Um, I know less about uh, Asian mythologies and a few things like that. I've enjoyed things like Joseph Campbell's work before he passed on uh, when he wrote a lot about mythologies. But a lot of the mythology also discusses the idea of having knowledge. Almost always there's a key character that knows something. Mm -hmm. And whether they hold on to it or they share it is a determining factor in the story yeah. to whether it happens. Example, in the modern day, Star Wars. Okay. Go back to the original Star Wars movie. And one of the reasons why I think it was a hit was young Luke Skywalker, who is just basically a Greek story brought to, the, to our you know, futuristic world. Yeah. He, of course, meets the wise elder, mm -hmm. who is... Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's our only hope. He's our only hope. <laughs> who shares with him the insights to get the discipline to become a better person. Mm -hmm. So symbolically, that mythology carries, I think, the heart of knowledge that needs to be applied mm -hmm. uh, or it's just dead. It just yeah. doesn't go anywhere. Well, and, and along those lines too, there's also a literary device referred to as dramatic irony where the the reader is aware of something that the principal oh, or the protagonist of, of the story is not. So, you know, you're reading a chapter that's told from the protagonist's perspective, then the next one might be a secondary character who reveals some big Absolutely. plot point. And then the reader's just chomping at the bit because the character, the protagonist is going on, but no, you shouldn't do that because of these things that you don't know about because this guy didn't tell you or something. Well, that's the whole so. idea of a Greek tragedy is the audience <laughs> yes. knows what's going to happen. Yep. The, the actors or the characters that the actors portraying do not know yep. what bad stuff is going to happen yep. to them. And they go through the inevitable... You know, direction to yeah, exactly. all tragedy and yeah, but that but that, but again, right there, that's the application of knowledge. You know, us being the readers who are aware of this will react differently than right. the the ignorant protagonist in this case. And it was the Greeks that invented the tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's good. Well, I'm glad uh, that's uh, another episode for uh, a quote and answer. Yep, I got it right. This got time. it right that time. Got it right this time. <laughs> we appreciate you listening. Uh, take uh, take a look at our website and our uh, social media. We've got lots of content. Yep, we're we'll available be... on Facebook. We also have a Twitter account, and we're in the process of working on a YouTube page as well to start posting uh, a couple of things there. That's right. And just a little uh, notice, uh, there are some uh, 
uh, items that will be posted up on our website, some content. Sometimes when we come across a map and a few things we think are worth sharing, we'll begin to start posting that on our website. But we will let you know as we continue to release uh, weekly episodes. Mm -hmm. Thank you again. I'm Gordon. And I'm Shane. And thank you for listening to another episode of Ancient Answers. Mm -hmm.